Chapter 29 She ran across the yard to the house, her mind reeling, her body screaming in pain from the exertion. She had to run, in spite of the physical pain, or maybe because of it. She wanted to feel it because she felt grounded by it somehow. It was real and familiar and, in an odd way, safe. Her lungs were on fire, her legs felt encased in cement, and her knees felt ready to give out, but she didn't stop. Alexandra, Eric called after her. She kept running, but in no time he was on her, easily matching her stride and reaching for her wrist when he caught up to her at the base of the porch stairs. She was pulled up sharply by his grasp, and when she cried out in surprise and pain, he quickly loosened his grip. Don't say it, Eric, because I already know, she said quickly, breathlessly, as she turned to face him. The words she hadn't been able to find a moment ago seemed to tumble from her freely now, of their own accord. You feel guilty. I know. I got hurt, and when women around you get hurt, you feel responsible. But you shouldn't. You really, really shouldn't. This wasn't your fault. None of it was ever your fault. Not Camila, not Mexico City, not Paul Haggerty. None of it. This isn't about guilt, he said urgently, holding her hand like it was a lifeline. For her, or for him, or for them both. Just... Listen to me. Of course it is. She cut him off, ignoring the flutter of awareness she felt at the touch of his hand. You're a good man, a decent man, and the guilt you feel is crushing you. You forget how well I know you, Eric. I know what's in your heart. Alexandra, listen to me, he pleaded, entwining his fingers in hers. Such a simple gesture, such a casual touch, and yet the memory that flooded through her almost made her sob out loud. That night, when he'd laced his fingers in hers and gazed at her with such love, when he'd made love to her slowly and sweetly, when he made her heart soar and her whole body sing. She closed her eyes and felt tears spill out from beneath her lids. That memory could wait for another time, when she'd need it. Now she simply had to say what she needed to say. I need you to hear this, she said shakily. Please, just listen to me. I know we should have... She faltered, corrected herself. I should have just let you go, like you asked me to. I'm so sorry Nick found you and burdened you with this, and... Nick didn't find me he said, stepping closer to her. His voice was low and emphatic, and there was an almost desperate urgency beneath his words. She saw it in the flashing of his eyes, still wet and bright and mutely pleading with her. She looked at him and couldn't hide the surprise in her voice. What? He didn't find me. I called him. His eyes moved over her face, over the pale butterfly bruise, and back to her eyes. I didn't know anything about this. She stared at him, blinking, her cheeks blazing with heat and throbbing with pain. New tears formed as she gazed up at him, confused, hopeful, and so in love with him, her heart felt ready to burst. You called him? I called him, Eric repeated with emphasis, Standing so close, he was all but towering over her. I called him because I needed to see you. I, I needed... 
I needed... This time he faltered, his breathing hard, indecision flaring briefly in his eyes, as he seemed to search for the right words. My forgiveness, she heard herself asking, in spite of the stubborn hope that bloomed in her. Hope that he would give her any other reason for standing before her now. Hope that it was love alone that had brought him here. Hope that faded when she saw the confirmation in his eyes. He opened his mouth to speak, but she spoke first. Listen to me, please, just listen. You didn't do anything wrong. It was all me. I know now I was wrong about us. I know I projected emotions onto you simply because I was feeling them. And I'm... I'm just so sorry. Her mind replayed her own words to Haggerty, and the sickening thoughts she'd had during the attack. She'd called him delusional, blinded by the intensity of his feelings, she had been just as deluded as he had been, just as blinded by her own feelings, just as determined to bend reality to suit her own emotions. She had ignored everything Eric ever said, had called him a liar and a coward, had insisted that he loved her and was just too stubborn to admit it. She had pursued him against his will, had practically held him captive, had coerced him with the threat of losing his job, all because she'd believed they were in love. She had manipulated her way into his bed, all but bullied him into making love to her, used his weaknesses against him. And the last thing she was going to do now was let him take the blame for it. I'm so sorry I pushed myself on you, she went on, remorse eating into her words and making her voice crack. I'm sorry that I ignored you when you told me that you didn't love me. I'm sorry I made you uncomfortable and forced you into something you didn't want. It's just that I've never loved anyone the way I love you. She cut herself off, cursing herself for sounding just like Haggerty. She dragged in a breath and swallowed. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you or respect your feelings. She looked up at him trying to read his expression, trying to divine any sort of understanding or acknowledgement in the depths of his eyes. But he just stared at her, wide-eyed, and embarrassment flooded through her anew. I was so sure that you loved me, that we loved each other. I thought it was simple and easy and that all we had to do was acknowledge it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was so presumptuous. I'm sorry I wouldn't listen to you when you tried to tell me otherwise. It was all me. Everything that happened was entirely my fault. So you don't have to be here, she said shakily, hardly believing she had the strength to say the words. I'm going to be okay. And if you really think you need my forgiveness, I'll give it to you, gladly. You can go. With my blessing, if that's what you need to do. Alexandra, he said, his voice sounding more pained than she had ever heard it. His Adam's apple worked as he struggled to speak. But I hope you won't go. I hope we can still be colleagues. Friends, even, she said, wanting to ease his discomfort. Wanting to give him a reason not to disappear again. If you come back to PGI, I swear, I swear, I won't pursue you or make things uncomfortable. Stop. Please, just stop. She blinked, 
salty tears stinging the corners of her eyes. His voice was so strained, his expression so stricken that she felt another surge of desperation bordering on panic. She spoke quickly, in case he silenced her again with something she couldn't bear to hear. Please tell me how to make this right, Eric, she said quietly. Please, please, just tell me what you want. What I want, he said, his voice faltering, his eyebrows raising in faint disbelief. Disbelief that she even had to ask. Disbelief that she didn't already know. His eyes sharpened, and when he spoke again, his voice had gained strength. Alexandra, all I want, all I've ever wanted, is you. It was as if the air around her stilled, as if sound itself were silenced and light stood still. She froze and stopped, breathing, and her heart, her battered, hopeful heart, fluttered wildly against her tender ribs. She stared up at him, speechless. She opened her mouth, but nothing came out. No sound, no words, not even a breath. You are wrong, he went on, shaking his head slightly. You didn't push me into anything or force anything on me. I lied to you, Alexandra. I lied to you every single day. I thought you'd be better off without me. I thought I was too far gone, too damaged, but you make me whole again, Eskling. You make me laugh mostly at myself, and you make me hope and dream and want good things. You make me truly happy. You make me want to live again for the first time in years. Oh, honey, she managed softly. You were right about me, about us, about everything. I meant every word. I said to you in the back of that van. But this time, I'll say it in English just so I'm positive you'll understand. He added with a gentle, rueful, dimpled smile, pressing his forehead to hers. I love you, Alexander. I love you. His eyes shimmered as he reached to circle her waist with his hands, pulling her gently towards him. He leaned down then, slowly, carefully, his breath warm on her cheek, and kissed her. Her entire world seemed to tilt. The very ground she stood on dropped away, and a rush of emotion almost capsized her. So powerful and all-consuming, she felt like she might faint. Just to hear those words from his lips, to see the look in his eyes, and feel the warmth of his mouth on hers, it was almost too much to bear. His mouth moved over hers sensuously, both hungry and gentle, both tender and desperate, as he held her to him and kissed her. His tongue swept into her mouth with lush, erotic strokes that electrified her, all but melted her, and sent a jolt of fierce pleasure rippling through her. His mouth was warm and velvet-soft, sweet and luscious and intoxicating, and she moaned as he deepened the kiss sinking into him, like she was finally home. Then, as if startled, he abruptly loosened his grip on her waist and broke the kiss. Oh, God, does it hurt to kiss? He asked breathlessly, worry clouding his features. He touched her face delicately. Ask me, don't 
Did I hurt you? No, she said, amazed. It didn't hurt at all. His lips were the sweetest thing she'd felt in more than a month. Since the last time he'd kissed her, in fact. He swallowed hard, his eyes moist again, as if he didn't quite believe her. But he leaned in to kiss her again. A kiss more poignant than the last, more sensual. Headier with need and desire and... love. With love. She felt it flowing through him, felt it in every sensual stroke of his tongue, every sweet, succulent taste of his lips, in his soft sounds of pleasure as he breathed, in the way his arms tightened around her and held her, his hands stroking her back and sinking into her hair. She felt him losing himself in the kiss, in the desire and the urgency of it, as though kissing her wasn't slaking his desire for her, but fueling it, making him even more desperate to have her. As she kissed him back, his grip on her firmed and his whole body grew tense, holding her to him, grasping the back of her head in his other hand, as if afraid of ever letting go. Desire thrummed through her and she began to kiss him just as hungrily, until the meaning of what he had said filtered through her haze of love and lust and made her pause. She broke the kiss even as his mouth sought hers and found her neck. And her cheek. She shied away and pushed him back gently, unable to let his words stand. She stared at him, her eyes worn out and gritty from crying so much this past month, now wet again with even more tears. You really mean that? She said, her voice quavering, tears running down her nose and over her flaming cheeks. She scanned his face. You love me? I do. His eyes softened, and he caressed her bottom lip with his thumb. I love you more than my life, and I swear to you I'll never deny it again. I'll tell you every day from now on, if you'll let me. Eric, she whispered. He bent and kissed her, a sweet, sensual kiss filled with such longing. Such exquisite tenderness and that spark of passion that always flared so easily between them. She rose up and wrapped her arms around his neck and deepened the kiss until they were lost in each other, kissing and tasting and savoring, their breath mingling, soft noises of pleasure, of sweet relief, of love, humming through them both. Breathless, Eric finally pulled away and gazed down at her. I've missed you so much he said hoarsely, as though it hurt not to tell her. This last month without you has been the worst thing I've ever experienced. Me too, she whispered. She ran her hands up the hard muscles of his chest, just to revel in the realness of him, just to savor his warmth. Where were you? I was worried sick. I didn't go far, he replied sheepishly. I stayed around base, actually. That was the last place you said Haggerty had contacted you, so I tried to track him down. But I should have just followed you. And then the meaning of his own words made his mouth turn down, and she thought for a moment he was going to cry. I shouldn't have left you in the first place. I can't believe you can still love me after... after... His voice broke, and he lowered his chin, avoiding her eyes. After all what I did, 
after everything. It's okay, it's okay, she soothed, hoping to prevent his tears, not for her sake, but for his. He had suffered so much already. They both had. The time for tears was long past. Honey, it's okay. I should have been there for you, he whispered, pressing his forehead to hers. I'm so sorry I wasn't. I'm so sorry. But you were, she said urgently. Eric, you were right there with me. He frowned and lifted his head up to look at her with glistening eyes. What do you mean? Do you know what saved me? She asked, smiling as she stroked his cheek. His smooth, clean-shaven cheek that felt so warm and so soft beneath her fingers. What really saved me? He swallowed and shook his head. From what I hear, you saved yourself. I did, but at one point, I had given up and just wanted the pain to end. She saw him look down and his mouth begin to twist into a pained grimace, and so she hurried on, searching out his eyes. And then, and then I heard your voice, whispering in my ear. I felt your arms around me and your lips against my ear, and I heard you speaking to me. You know what you said to me? Champagne must ask. He looked up quickly, recognizing the words, his moist eyes growing round. You told me to fight, just like in Mexico City. And so I did. I fought, Eric, for you. He let out a surprised breath and gazed down at her, his eyes growing rounder in the soft twilight that fell around them. Oh, baby, oh, love, he whispered. His throat worked, and she knew he was fighting back tears. Tears that gleamed in his eyes even as he smiled. You were right there with me, telling me you loved me and that you wanted me to fight. Your voice was the last thing I heard, asking me to stay with you she said, standing on tiptoe to press a kiss to his trembling lips. She dropped back down and smiled up at his beautiful face. So if you want to know how I feel about you, I'll tell you. In Swedish, just so I'm positive you'll understand. He leaned down and she thought he was going to kiss her, but instead he scooped her up into his arms, careful not to press against her sore ribs. She laughed out in surprise as he began to walk up the stairs towards the front door. She clung to him and pressed her lips to the warm skin of his neck, over and over again, until they reached the top and he set her down gently on the porch floor. He took her hand in his and opened the screen door to lead her into the house. Once inside the hallway, he backed her gently against the wall and kissed her deeply, a long, sensuous kiss that she felt down to her toes. He took her in his arms, but when he squeezed her sore ribs a little too tightly, and she flinched, he loosened his grip and looked down at her with a pained expression. I'm sorry, she said. I'm still a little sore. I think maybe... She hesitated, hating to have to say it. I'm still too sore to make love. Oh, baby. He dismissed her words. We have all the time in the world for that. And besides... He leaned in and kissed her again, a slower, more luscious, more succulent kiss than she'd even thought possible. When he finally spoke, his voice was low and rich and seductive. What do you think this is? And oh, he was right. It was like making love. The way she'd always thought kissing him would be. The way she knew from experience that it was. 
slow and sensual, erotic and tender, passionate and perfect and sweet. As the cool evening air drifted in through the screen door, and the sun painted the hall with a glowing pale pink light, they stood together, his head lowered to hers, his mouth petal-soft and deliciously warm. Anyway, he said on a slow breath, when he finally broke the kiss, I think I owe you quite a few of these. What did you call them? Slow, passionate, burning kisses. Enough to take us in city next week, at least. Oh, at the very least, she smiled, gently running her hands down over his hips and around to squeeze his rear. Tears slipped down her cheeks, but she didn't care. And then some. But as he lifted his hand to stroke her hair, she caught a glimpse of his bare wrist and the faded little bell tattoo on the underside. Honey, wait, what about your tattoo? She asked, kissing the inside of his wrist and looking up at him. You said it reminded you to never give up, to never let yourself be tempted into giving in. To me, especially, he said. Clang, 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 he said, his voice low and mischievous, his lips quirking into an impish smile. I'm done, Master Chief. She laughed wetly through her tears, but then she frowned. But Eric, <laughs> I love you, Alexandra, he said, emphasizing his words with the keen sincerity in his eyes. What I'm not giving up is you. Ever again. He lowered his head and kissed her with such tenderness, such sweetness, that she wrapped her arms around him and melted into him, kissing him back until he reluctantly broke free, his breath warm against her cheek. Besides, he murmured, his voice sultry and sexy as he nipped at her bottom lip. Did I ever tell you how much I love Donut? Then his grin widened into a gorgeous, sexy, luminous smile. With sprinkles? She laughed, a light, happy tinkle of a laugh, and let him carry her upstairs to bed.